This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. So how is the debate over infrastructure impacting what's been going on around Capitol Hill over the last several weeks? A pleasure to welcome back to the show Mark McKinnon, co-host and executive producer of The Circus, which airs Sunday nights on Showtime. Mark, great to talk to you again. Hey, glad to be in the saddle. How you doing? Thank you. It's amazing to me as we've gone through these last you know few months uh, how the definition of infrastructure has changed as well. Obviously, most of us remember it just being bridges and roads, but it has really changed here in the last couple of months. Well, it has because it's all been conflated with you know whatever you want to call the other larger bill, uh, and you know I this I mean it just it amazes me the Democrats' ability to screw things up uh, over and over again. Uh, you know, having worked on both sides of the aisle, the one thing I know is that, you know, you tell Republicans to salute and march, and they salute and march, and Democrats just jump into the mosh pit. Um, part of the complication is, first of all, of course, that they attached the two bills and, you know, held one hostage to the other. I mean, this was – they got 69 votes in the Senate on the on the main infrastructure bill, which I'll just call it the hard infrastructure bill, roads, bridges, what have you. And they should have put, put, called a vote right then, and they could have passed it, but they attached it to, you know, what they call the social spending bill, you know, which has uh, morphed into what they call the human infrastructure bill. Uh, and it's just a mess. And, you know, I mean, part of the problem is, A, that they attached it, B, that they set an artificial deadline. The reality is that these are lar- huge bills and, and complicated, and they never should have. They never should have set the bar of expectations the way that they did because uh, it was always going to be messy and long. Uh, and now – but just as a result of, I, I think, a lot of, of mistakes, they have made it messier and longer than it needed to be. And it just it just looks like the Democrats are in disarray, and that's happening at a time when, when Joe Biden can really ill afford it. I, he's just he's – got, he's got so many challenges going on, and it's just – it's all going badly. Uh, and the thing that I worry about is, I mean, in terms of the Democrats getting this done, is that, A, it's unclear um, what Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema really want. That's A. But I think right. more to the point, it seems to the extent that we know what they want, it seems completely divergent uh, in terms of what Joe Manchin wants what versus what Kristen Sinema wants. So. Right. To me, it seems like what has to happen is, you know, you don't need to go meet with, you know, put Joe Manchin at the White House or Kristen Sinema at the White House. You need to put Kristen Sinema and Joe Manchin in a room and have them work it out. Yeah. I, I find it amazing sitting back and, and watching this. And you said tying one to the other uh, really was a, was a big challenge, especially in this time of the pandemic when you have so many people still not back into the workforce. Uh, with the potential uh, of having that traditional infrastructure piece, which a lot of people describe as shovel-ready, you know, will provide jobs. Then there's the Internet piece, which we know is important to the build-out of the economy. These are all things that can be job providers, yet seemingly are still kind of getting held up in the, in, in the wash of uh, what has become the normal activity in Washington, D.C., well, that's right. I mean, that that's why, you know, the, the, the main bill was such a no-brainer. Um, it's really – this is just a huge, you know, piece of pork legislation for every congressman and senator in the country. I mean, there's something for everybody there. And 
which made it hard for 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 uh, Republicans to vote against because, as you noted, it's it's a huge jobs bill. Um, yeah. And so, no matter you know, what your stripe is or where you're from, there's something for everybody. So, if you're a Republican in Utah or wherever, there's a lot in that bill that you can say we're bringing you know we're bringing jobs home wherever home is. And that's why I think it was just a you know a huge. It is a challenge, and I think was a mistake to attach it to the other bill when they could have just passed that cleanly and I think pretty easily. You know, Mark the the other the other interesting thing about this, and I I, I was in preparing and talking to you a little while ago. I just Googled infrastructure bill, and it was amazing how many different articles from different parts of the country were talking about, hey, this could provide X amount to our region of the country. And it, it, it hits right on the point you talked about, that there literally was something for everybody in this bill. Yeah, that's, I, 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 that's, that's the, you know, it was, it's, it's a, you know, one of the largest spending bills in our history and, uh, you know, so big that there was literally, you know, enough to go around to 50 states and projects in everybody's backyard. And that's why, yeah, the, you know, we got uh, 19 Republican senators to vote for it. And, you know, it's, things are usually harder in the Senate. So yeah. that should have been a, you know, a signal to the to the House to just, you know, let's get this behind us in the rearview mirror and then we can move on. And it would have been a win for everybody. You know, it would have been a win for the Democrats. Republicans could have, you know, taken it home to sell the bacon. And, uh, geez, just it's just it's so frustrating, uh, you know, watching Washington not work as usual. So we're we're talking about this also in the scope of, you know, a, a year from now, we're going to have midterm elections. And, and you would think that if this does not go well and it does not play out, uh, that you're going to see a, quite the backlash, I would think, uh, in and amongst Democratic candidates. Well, I think that's already happening. And um, I, I think that the Democratic prospects for the midterms were a challenge before all of this. I mean, it's just just historically yeah. speaking, the the party that's out of power generally does very well in the midterm. So Republicans were already sort of in the driver's seat in a Congress that, by the way, Democrats only hold by a handful of votes anyway. Stack yeah. on top of that redistricting, which is a, which is a, a, a across the board an advantage for Republicans for a variety of reasons. But they're picking up seats through redistricting. Only so if it was only that you, you you could say Republicans win the Congress. Now you stack on top of that all the challenges that Joe Biden the Democrats have that have been compounded greatly by all this infrastructure debate. So it, 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 they've started off with a hurdle pretty high. They've only made it higher for themselves, and and uh, uh, they must pass this in order to even have a chance uh, to to scratch back into the into the midterms and make it even competitive. But is the expectation now that that probably three and a half trillion is not going to happen and it's going to have to be something less at this point? Oh, there's no question about that. I, I just I think, again, you know, uh, it's easy for me to quarterback here, but it, it just seems so obvious that, that it never should have been a debate about the numbers, should have been a debate about what's in it. Right. Um, you know, it's if you're, you know, your family, whatever, you don't talk about the number, you talk about what you need. And so I think that, that that has been a bad message for Democrats, just arguing over the size of the number rather than the actual programs. Because if, were, if we were talking about the programs, I think, you know, people would say, oh, well, you know, yes, I, I think we should have, you know, medical and dental coverage under or dental and vision coverage on, and hearing under me, Medicare 
or what yeah. or or childcare or whatever it might be, that's a lot easier to defend than saying, you know, I, I'm I'm for three point five trillion dollars. Don't say that. Say I'm for childcare for God's sake. And so sure. again, I think the messaging on the Democratic side has just been a disaster. Well, and, and and the fact that you know in the in the uh, in the aid bills that we've seen over the last couple of years, the fact that there has been plenty of pork put into those as well to you know to support things that just didn't need support when we were talking about the heights of the pandemic and trying to keep the economy on some kind of level of, of success. Yeah, and by, by the way, I I you know I'm a I'm a I'm kind of in the center of the political universe and. Uh, but I, I, and I've kind of seen things from both sides of the aisle. I, 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 I'm a big fan of Joe Manchin's, and and I think you know as much heat as he and Kristen Sinema are getting from Democrats, they Democrats need to recognize that the only reason they hold the Senate is because of Joe Manchin. He won a Democratic seat in a state that Trump won by seventy percent. Yep. So yep. they should they should say a prayer to Joe Manchin every day. And I think, by the way. Again, it's just a number, but $3.5 trillion is ridiculous, and that, uh, that Joe, Man- Joe Manchin is doing the right thing in negotiating and trying to bring that, you know, make that a reasonable number. So uh, I, my advice, again, to Democrats is, you know, again, just, you know, I know Joe Manchin is, is you know, you think making this tougher, but you wouldn't even be having this discussion without Joe Manchin. Hey, Mark, as always, great to get your insight on what's going on in Capitol Hill. I'm assuming doing the circus is just as fun as it's been as ever because of all this stuff going on. Well, you know, I don't know that fun's the right word. I call it going into the human microwave. It's just it, it's a it's it's a it's a really it's a crushing amount of work, which I do love. And it's incredibly rewarding. And it's it's fascinating. I feel lucky to be kind of at this seat of American history. But it's but it's also you know, it's just it's so ugly out there, Dan, that uh, sure. that I kind of get PTSD as I'm out here uh, <laughs> and we just have so many challenges. But, you know, I feel like I, I, I feel a little bit like, you know, just a, uh, that it's important to be out there pushing the, the big rock up the steep hill, no matter no matter what the result. Hey, Mark, great uh, talking with you again. Look forward to it again down the road. Thank you, sir. Kick it hard. Carry on regardless. Thanks. Thank you. Mark McKinnon, co-host and executive producer of The Circus, which, as we mentioned, airs Sunday nights on Showtime. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.